Alrighty, so where do we dive in? We've got all the things today. So many. Um, we can always start with a question. You want to, shall we start with Darlene's question? Yeah, cool. and if you have questions, um, we would love to hear from you because that's the fun of, the, of a show like this, is just really working with whatever your authentic questions are. Uh, things that we have been on our mind talking about grief and our inner world aches and how to, in our culture, um, what remedies do we have to really tend to our, the inner wounds that we feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what we're going to talk today about the differences between fear and anxiety and what the impact is of confusing the two, as well as the opposite of love isn't fear. It's something different. Many times we've heard, well, you're either in a state of love or fear. And we would assert that actually fear is not the opposite of love. So we're going to talk about that too. And Darlene had a really great question that we weren't even able to get to last week. And so, it has to do with fear. So it's Oh, let's question. start there. Okie dokie. Yeah. You want to go for it? Okay, so Darlene asks, how does one work with a fear of not appeasing others? For much of my life, and rather unconsciously, I operated out of perfectionist tendencies and the belief that I had to always appease others and that conflict of any kind was unsafe. This led to a habit of a lot of negative self-talk, conflict, avoidance, appeasement, followed by inner resentment. And she also says that she is working with this tendency now. Uh, There's so many things in that that question. I mean, yeah. I think we've got appeasing jumping, perfectionist and we have uh, conflict, not wanting conflict. Right. And yeah. I think that we could even jump right into with this one of the triads because that's a topic of the day anyway. And, okay. Um, you know, she, the belief that, uh, you know, she always had to appease others and this perfectionist tendency. So, you know, so many of us experience that like perfectionism and, um, uh, thinking that things are not ever going to be good enough. And perhaps that has something to do with one of those triads, if you want to jump into that. I love triads. I love triangles. I love things. Things always speak to me in in threes. (laughs) So for me, what what stands out is really looking at at the overarching picture is what is it that, that every human being beyond the the safety level of food, clothing, and shelter longs for and needs in order to uh, to flourish and thrive in in life. And and so we call these our soul, or you could say your heart. Um, Your soul's needs are connection, fulfillment, and awe and wonder. Mm. And these are the three things that when any of them are missing, we're going to start to experience suffering and it will continue to increase. So that triad, if it's not really intact and being tended to and your life being nourished on a steady and daily basis of, of all three, you're gonna to start to feel yourself out of balance. So again, the soul, your, every human being has the soul needs to be connected in your own inner world with yourself that aspect of yourself that is that doesn't change, that is permanent, magnificent, steady. And connection in the engagement of life with others, in your relationship, having really nourishing, 
kind, uplifting, uh, uh, stimulating relationships wherever, wherever you go. And they don't always have to be like the deepest friendships. You can have deep, intimate connection with people that you only spend a few minutes with. So it's a real, so this connection then moves from it being a concrete something, somebody can say, oh, those two look like they're connected, to it moving into a deeper place of a way of being. So connection is essential for a human being to, to thrive and flourish. You want to talk about fulfillment? Yeah, I do want to say something about connection oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, before we move on from that. So like this was so, this was such a game changer for me as mm. a parent and as an educator. So uh, when people aren't experiencing connection, fulfillment, or awe in their day-to-day lives, um, and I'm going to speak specifically to adolescents, what I noticed and, and witnessed as a parent and as a teacher is that this is where they might be asking for those things in like relatively unlovable ways. <laughs> non-traditional <laughs> ways. Non-traditional <laughs> ways. So a student, for example, will, oh. will just like constantly interrupt you, correct you, have something to say mm. about what you're saying, argue a little. And uh, rather than seeing students, adolescents, and my own children as just simply being argumentative or contrarian or interrupting me and my stream of thought, it was like, oh, uh, connection? Connect? Can, you, can we connect for a moment here? Even though it wasn't the best way of going about asking for it, I could see that because having this framework of this is what people are craving. This is what all human beings are seeking, connection, fulfillment, and awe. And if it wasn't present, then they might ask for those things in, the, in a not really direct and clear way. <laughs> so I just have to mention that because it, it changes the way that I internally uh, tell a story or interpret other people's behavior. Is this person really trying to be a jerk or are they seeking connection in this moment? Um, so just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, that's an important one. Um, and then in terms of fulfillment, you can think of fulfillment as, uh, again, on the surface level, experiencing uh, purposefulness, a, a sense of purposefulness, a meaning to your life, and, and not in the realm of, you know, we can't skip to the life is meaning and empty, empty, empty until we experience, there, I do have meaning, there is purpose. Mm-hmm in my life. Um, it's like, we can't really, most, most of us need to have the experience of having an identity and being somebody before we can then release that and recognize the trap that that is. So, so there's no race to, uh, empty and meaningless and there's no race to, I, I'm, I'm nobody, right? And, and everything is nothing. Or everybody. I'm everybody. <laughs> right. So, so having that sense of fulfillment, you know, we're, we're here to be engaged in our worlds and in our lives and fulfillment as we, as we travel on in our, over the journey of our lives means tapping into our unique talents and gifts and discovering what those are and then offering them to others. If we don't know uh, what we're here to offer, we can feel a little bit lost and we will sometimes experience the sense of, well, I've sold out for a job that has security or stability or safety or what I think others, what my parents think I should do. Mm. And that's suffering. You, you really mm. can't, the, 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 the gig will be up eventually because you'll, you'll feel suffering if you're not feeling fulfillment. Now, 
we can feel fulfillment wherever we truthfully do. I, um, I've, had, I've had extremely unique jobs over between being you know, 16 to now I'm, I'm 47 and I felt tremendous fulfillment when I was in my teens mowing greens on a golf course. It was so fulfilling. It was because it also then fed into the need of awe and wonder. I would be out on the mower really early in the morning, like at five o'clock with the light, and and I would see the fox and I would see the deer and and I got to rake the sand traps and make like giant Zen mm-hmm. guard. Like it was so magnificent. Now on the outset, like many parents might say, well, I don't know if that's a job I would get to brag to other people my child is doing. And boy, did I love it because it fulfilled, it fed this place inside of me that really needed to connect with nature and to feel the wisdom of nature always being reflected back to me. I felt fulfillment in every single job that Mm. I've ever had Mm. until the lesson was learned or it played out. And then I shifted to doing something else. You know, I had evolved or an organization shifted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So as long as like the energy and the match was there... Mm -hmm. Fulfillment was present for whatever position I was in. Was, I can't even count how many times. Like Facebook is hilarious because memories will come up, mm. and there there is probably a handful of times throughout the year that I've declared in my Facebook memories that I have the best job ever, mm. <laughs> and 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 it was true every single time I said it. So it's just interesting. Like fulfillment can be present, and then that that means. It's growing you. When it's you're growing. fulfilled, you are being grown mm. in that instance. That's Stretched. what I exactly. And 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 you'll you'll just know when it's when it's complete. You'll you can feel that. There's an obviousness to it. Mm-hmm. If my gosh, if I had any wish that I could sprinkle dust on all parents, it would be that you understand that your children will not be happy, will not be fulfilled, and will not experience contentment, and they will not be able to live an addiction-free life, a sober life, if they're not fulfilled inside. And because there's such a wide range of interests and unique talents and gifts, and we tend to have a narrow scope in our culture about what parents are very proud of their children doing, that is... um, it, 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 it feeds this, this cycle that we, and a trend that's happening in our culture right now of skyrocketing rates of anxiety, skyrocketing rates of anxiety, depression, which then lead to loneliness. Mm-hmm. So as parents, it's so important that we start to question, what, am I, what program am I feeding my child? Is it the go do this track so that you're secure and stable? Or is it I'll support anything that has you lit up inside, delighted, fulfilled? That's something that we, many of us, weren't weren't, uh, trained by our parents innocently mm-hmm. because their generation, mm-hmm. they, you know, their parent, our parents, grandparents' generation was not about what's fulfilling you. It's how do we stay alive? Mm-hmm. So, so we, so, so as, as time unfolds and, and, and we are evolving and changing, the story changes, the collective story is changing. We, we're not forced to only focus on survival. We get to 
tend to fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that, you know, a lot of parenting trap, uh, teaching trap, mentoring traps even that can, that can come out is when we associate them with the, with another triad of ego worries and concerns, Mm. uh, you know, separateness maybe, but certainly not good enough not doing enough Mm -hmm. show up. So as parents, as educators, as mentors, leaders, our own fear of not being good enough or not doing enough gets deposited in like our children, our students, uh, our coworkers sometimes, because if I'm holding on to this worry that I'm not doing enough or I'm not a good enough parent because my child has chosen to do X, Y, and Z instead of A, B, and C, which society might value more. You know, I'm really just transferring that worry of not being good enough and not doing enough onto my child rather than just thinking about what feels the best for you in this moment. What is the most exciting and what lights you up? As Daniela said, it's like this worry of how am I going to be perceived as a parent if my child's mowing the golf course for 20 years, you know, like, don't you want to go to law school? Do we want to be a doctor? Do you want to be doing that when you're 75? That's Maybe. Thing. Assumptions, right? right. Like you're doing that at 19, 20, 23. Do you want to be doing that when you're, you know, how are you going to get a pension? All those things. We don't know. There's so many things that happen in between. You know, I, I remember when the phrase, uh, don't worry, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but this is the, uh, the heart of it is don't worry about trying to figure out what your purpose is in life. Literally, don't worry mm-hmm. about trying to figure that out. Just focus on what your passion is. Whatever your passion is, if you follow those breadcrumbs, it will only and always, God, I love that. It's not just sometimes. It will only I and always lead you to your purpose. Mm-hmm. Your passion will lead you to your purpose. So as parents, you want to explore for yourself. Do you know what that is and feels like in your own life? Because we cannot guide our children in a skill that we don't have ourselves. You cannot guide your children to to risk following their passion. If you yourself don't know what that means or you don't know imbibe that yourself, and a lot of times the trap that parents can find themselves in is, well, if I, if I support this passion, where's that going to lead? Right? We, 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 we jump so far into the future of trying to figure out, well, you're not, I think I share this in another one, but uh, the, the author of Captain Underpants, mm. he dedicates, I don't know if he dedicates all of his books, the earlier ones he dedicated to one of his elementary school teachers who very boldly said to him, you know, stop doodling. You're not gonna. You're not gonna make a career out of that. Well, <laughs> he did. Yeah. Captain Underpants. Uh, <laughs> my kid, my one kiddo loved them. They're so funny. So it 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 can occur as risky to follow your passion. And guess what, folks? That's the game of love and life we're playing here. It's the game of risk. When none of us grow when we feel safe. We don't. Mm. Growth doesn't happen when we feel safe. <clears throat> and it's such an ego trap, innocent and an egoic trap, to, to, to choose the path of safety and security. It will lead you to the need for habits 
patterns, strategies, and addictions to change the way you're feeling. Because when we don't feel fulfilled, we also don't tend to, we, we don't tend to feel awe and wonder in our life. We start to get a flatness, a resigned kind of blah. And when awe and wonder, which is a very joyful state and only occurs in the present moment, are, when that, that starts to decrease and decrease and decrease, we suffer. That's suffering. Disconnection, the lack of fulfillment, and the flat line on awe and wonder in our lives leads to anxiety, depression, and loneliness. And we have to turn to habits and patterns to change the way we're feeling. We have to turn to addictions because it hurts too much. The present moment just hurts. What it feels like and sounds like up here is too hostile. It's a hostile environment up here when we don't follow our passions in life. And it also is risky in that you may lose the apparent support of your family. If they really don't approve, you really may find yourself on your own, which can be terrifying. And part of this game of life is also to get and to be with the contemplation, am I okay? Am I okay? It may not be going the way you thought it would or want it to. Mm -hmm. And yet, we're always okay. So, unless we don't communicate with others when we really believe we're not okay. And that's the danger in this. That's also why the uh, self-injurious behaviors are also increasing in our, for our adolescents of self-harm um, that's either temporary or, and our suicide rates are increasing. Okay, so, so this is, this is, this is a, a real problem that we have in our culture and these, these are the root causes of them. We, um, our, our, the, our, our soul states, our inherent soul state, like our soul needs are connection, fulfillment, and awe. And the inherent strength and power and fullness of our soul is, is a state of clarity, is a state of contentment, and is, it is a state of experience of the feeling of freedom. So when those are not experienced and expressed... We suffer. When we suffer, we need to turn to habits, patterns, and addictions. So you can see the cycle. You can see this, the, 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 the loop here. And as, and as Jeannie was saying, the, the, the heart and core of what our ego is most concerned about and most worried about from, from the moment we wake up until the moment we dissipate back into the emptiness from which we were birthed in the first place, the ego is concerned and worried that it's going to be separate, abandoned, and alone, or excluded. You can find that in your day. It's like, where do you worry about being excluded or left out? Not fitting in. Yes, <laughs> not belonging. Mm -hmm. It worries about being not perceived as deficient, flawed, not good enough, or not worthy of what you do have. And lastly, it's worried, it's concerned about the perception of, I'm not doing enough, I'm not doing enough. And so they, they all tag team together, right? Some, and, 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 and for each one of us, one of them is, is, the, is a predominant worry or fixation, you could say. And, 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 and 
the paradox is that the ego is so hell-bent on trying to hide. It doesn't want to be exposed that it's believing it's not good enough, right? So we pretend and cover up that we're not worried that we're not good enough. And it's, 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 it's desperately seeking to avoid the feeling of exposure, which, is in a, which feels humiliating. Those are the ego's deepest concerns. So you can see in how much in our culture that we're, we're driven, we've, we, we buy into this illusion of being, an, being enough, whatever that is, that enough looks a certain way. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I think you're more eloquent with this than I. Not doing enough or not? Yeah, just any of them. Mm. Like our, our culture really feeds into our egoic worries and, mm. and concerns. You know, by uh, having uh, that we're supposed to look a certain way, or that, uh, well, as as Darlene says about perfection, mm-hmm. yeah, not wanting to disappoint mm. people uh, can be a play between both not doing enough, not being good enough, and and having those concerns and worries rise up. Uh, you know, how many people in our lives do we know that? speak pretty clearly. Oh, I'm, I'm a personality. I have OCD. I'm a workaholic. And this is all self-identified mm. and not even considered necessarily in a negative category. <laughs> Sometimes it's like, you know, I'm going to put this on my resume. I am, I am, OCD, I am detail oriented. I am OCD. Um, <laughs> my biggest challenge is I work too much. My biggest challenge is that I can't say no, you know, like what? And, and we, employer's dream, right? And, oh. and we herald this behavior of like, uh, you know, being a go-getter and, um, not being, being driven, not, not quitting. And, and really it's, a, it, it's just such a clear, uh, indication of people not feeling like they will ever be able to actually do enough or, um, be good enough at something to be seen and appreciated for, for who and what they are every single day in the work environment or as parents. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a tricky thing to be even in the category or in groups online on Facebook, on social media of parenting because there's a lot of judgment there. You know, like you're, you're not doing enough, you're not a good enough parent and, um, and then leading to the feeling as parents through whatever stage our children are in, of being alone on this parenting path. Am I the only one that, that feels like I can't bake 75,000 cookies for the bake sale this weekend and pick them up from soccer and go to work uh, and, and impress my boss? It, it's just like this perpetual cycle of um, reinforcing busyness, uh, reinforcing that you're, you're probably not good enough. So, so how can you show up better? How can you show up more? Uh, where are you lacking? What are the what are the categories on your review sheet where you need to improve uh, your performance in whatever category? Uh, so I do think that we we just fuel that fire as a culture and a society and a community for each other, rather than you know take a step back and say, "Wow, it seems like you think that you're not doing enough." And here are eight examples of all the things that you're doing. Like, like, where are your friends that pause you in those thoughts and have you ask the question to yourself, like, where are all the scenes in your life in the last week where you were doing enough? Maybe you were even doing more than enough. Mm-hmm. Let me get this straight. You have four children under the age of 10 
you uh, went grocery shopping, your house is mostly clean, <laughs> everybody ate something, you know, that was all doing enough. That was all doing enough. And yet those aren't the conversations, generally speaking, that we have. Mm. We have conversations like, oh, you know, I have six loads of laundry to do and I don't want to do any of it. People are tired too. Yes. This, the unnatural busyness of our lifestyle. I, like yesterday, it caught my eye that two different times during the day I saw on Facebook, two very different people, not, not, not friends, and, and one was, was an image of a, of a man in the meme, and then for another one, it was an image of a female. And there was, it just said, I'm strong, but I'm tired. Mm. Such a symptom of our culture. Yeah. I'm strong, but I'm tired. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, when I, when I think about, when I think about Darlene's question of, of I, I, I have a tendency to appease people, especially in a place of power, and I also have a perfectionist streak. The place that I find gives me the most information, like I'm just gonna pretend that I'm Darlene in this instance because Darlene's not here to dialogue with. Let's say that I have the concern that, uh, or the awareness that I appease people in power and that I have the awareness that I am always, I'm a perfectionist. If you really want to understand your own tendencies, the simplest way to get at the source of what drives that is to then ask yourself, and that means what? Okay, so if I were Darlene and I wanted to kind of work through understanding my perfectionist tendency, the starting point would be to find a scene where recently you really had the thought I, I, I want to do this perfect. Okay, so let me um, find one that somebody shared with me recently. Okay, so I had a, a father who was talking to his son's teacher and left the interaction sort of wondering, oh, I wonder if um, that, that, that teacher is, is judging me. Mm -hmm. And... So the starting point is that scene, right? In that moment, I believed that I was not good enough and I was less than perfect. I was not a perfect parent. I wasn't, I wasn't doing it right. Mm. So, so you want to start at a scene where you really experience this. If you want to meet with your mind with understanding, it doesn't happen by working with concepts. It only happens when you generate the actual event or scene where you believed that true. Okay, so I'm going to put myself in this scene now. So there I am, I'm walking, say, out of the hall, I'm walking down the hallway, leaving the school, I'm like, God, that was a weird interaction, like, God, I, th I, th I, think, I think she really, that teacher really is judging me, and for not making sure my daughter is doing enough of her homework, being looked down on by this teacher, and that means what, is the next question I would ask myself. So then I'm just going to sit and just listen, and that means what? Well, it would mean then that this teacher doesn't really have very much respect for me as a parent. Okay, and that means what? Well, if they don't have respect for me as a parent, maybe they'll share with other educators at the school. Ugh, mm -hmm. that mom, total, like, totally missing the mark on parenting there. Okay, so now I'm going to feel embarrassed. Oh, my reputation. Okay, so 
now, 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 now my ego is feeling fearing exposure and I'm being talked about. Okay, so I'm being exposed as not good enough. Now other people, and they're talking about me. And that means what? It would mean that I would feel really embarrassed to see them. I would feel like small if I saw the other, t- other educators now in the hallway at, at my daughter's school. And I would feel, I would believe that I really, I would just feel like I'd want to like hide and just not be seen. And that means what? It would mean that they're right, that I'm, that I'm, I'm really not good, that they're right. Okay, so that exercise allows you to just get at the, at the source of what's really going on. So it's sort of like you could look at that first belief or that worry or concern of I, 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 want, I, I, I need to be a perfectionist parent or whatever as sort of like the top of a table and all the other and that means what are like the legs holding up a table. They're like the supporting structures and beams of that. So it's never the top thought that is really the problem. It's the ones that are supporting it that allow you to really get to the heart and meet your mind gently with understanding. So it's kind of like, there you are. Now it's like your root concern is exposed. And you're going to feel that in your body. You're going to feel it. It's like I could even feel it, feel myself like contracting and constricting as I was going through that exercise. When you get to that base place is an invitation to just sit with that for a moment and feel it. Feel it in your body. Where else have you felt that? Like this is a really powerful meditation because it's not happening now. Right. Like you want to anchor yourself in reality. You're now on an inner journey. You're going to meet your mind and your anxiety, your, your, your thinking with profound compassion and understanding. You can even allow that, those sensations to expand because this is the possibility and the potential for you to be with the discomfort and not turn to something to change the way you're feeling. Mm-hmm. To actually sit with it. To actually be with the discomfort that we usually so quickly turn away from. From there is a whole other series of, of processes and exercises. And the penny version of that, and this is the coursework that we do with people and we work with, with individuals one-on-one, is to help guide them through the wisdom dialogue that then follows when you get to the source of what's, what's, at, that fear, what's at that worry or that concern. From there, you, start to, you now can train your mind to enter into a wisdom dialogue inside. It could start with the question of, is, am I absolutely certain that it's true, that I'm not good enough? Or how could the opposite of I'm, I'm a terrible parent be truer, truer? And you start to anchor yourself in reality. This is entering in, this is not a thought exercise. This is a contemplation. It's a meditation. It's a wisdom dialogue with your soul. It really is. And it can be, it's, it's really great exercise to practice with someone mm-hmm. so that you can start to get fluent in that. And, I, and we can assure you that the way out, you can't skip the way in. Mm-mm. You really can't. And it is, it is my firm conviction, experience, and belief that 
We cannot transform our habits, patterns, and addictions without this process of truly examining what we think and what we believe true, because that's what sources our anxieties. Mm -hmm. This is the source of anxiety. This is not the source of fear. This is the source of anxiety. And it's one of the predominant afflictions right now in our culture. Um, did I leave anything out? Is there, what else catches your ear about Darlene's? Because that, that was perfectionism, but it didn't really tend to the appeasement. Is there anything you want to add to well, that? Well, I just think that you know, the appeasement side to it, uh, it really speaks to the wanting to be seen. You know, wanting, mm. wanting connection, uh, wanting to be recognized for uh, what you do well and what you are doing particularly when there is a root worry or concern of not being good enough or not doing enough when it comes to work. So, you know, if I, if I believe throughout my day, if the internal dialogue is that I'm not good enough or I'm not doing enough, then of course, if, if someone is questioning or I'm called in for a meeting, the, the immediate go-to response, survival response really, would be to appease and mm. to, to smooth things over and, and try really hard to shift that, um, that energy or that interaction between myself and a supervisor or, you know, myself and uh, the, the teacher. A parent or, or a parent. even a parent. That's a, that, for many people, that's a, a position yeah. of authority or power. Absolutely. You know, so, so I think that a fear of, of being in a position of not appeasing someone uh, really speaks to fulfillment and connection being about an external uh, stimulus. Someone out there is feeding that rather than being able to source some more of that internally um, and, and recognizing all the ways that you are doing enough and, and you are good enough and other people's approval and appeasing them isn't necessarily the key to, to feeling that inside, to really being connected to. Um, I, I am good enough and I am doing enough. I don't have to appease everyone for that to be true uh, and to, to rewrite that story in that way. And when we stop appeasing people, our landscape of our outer world may change. It's true. Because we train people. When we appease them, we train them to expect that. And uh, people don't necessarily like it when, when you are no longer appeasing. <laughs> there may be a resistance to that. You may lose a job. You may lose some friends. Uh, I would consider that an upgrade because the truth, you're being truthful. When you're no longer appeasing, it means you're choosing to be truthful. And you will have a greater life when you are truthful and not, not in the trap of appeasing. The other thing that stands out for me with appeasement is that when we're appeasing, especially someone that's in a position of power, we have a worry or a concern that one of two things is gonna happen. If we don't appease them, we're gonna lose something we believe we have right now, or we believe, we, we worry that we're not gonna get something we think we want in the future. So you can think of that in terms of a job, right? If we, if we appease uh, someone at work, it's because we have the worry that we're gonna lose our job, something that we believe we have right now. Or if we appease someone at work, it might be because we're worried we won't get the thing we think we want in the future. Maybe it's the promotion. Okay, so you can use that formula when you want to understand, why am I appeasing this person? You can ask yourself, is there a worry or concern that I have of losing something I believe I have right now? Or do I have a worry or a concern I'm not going to get something I think I want in the future? 
Be, so in a lot of ways, you could even, even look at appeasing as we're selling out the truth in that moment to cling onto what we perceive we have in the moment. And it might not be an actual thing, like a job or um, a, a tangible object. Sometimes it's respect. Or status. Or status. Yep. Or friendship. Yes. Or, you know, what do we perceive we might lose in this moment? It might, it might be something... You know, that, that is a little bit more subtle. And you can see why, if you go back to what the ego's concerns are, we want to appease a friend. Like I had, a, I'm thinking to, about my friend, Lara. Lara challenged me when I was a child to, 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 to call this boy a mean name, which I did because I didn't, I was, I was worried she was not going to be my friend anymore, which she would say she wasn't going to be. Eventually the friendship fell apart, thankfully. Right. And I hope that she's well now. Um, but but I, I appeased her continuously because of my, my egoic worry of being a, a separate and abandoned was so strong. I would do anything to not feel that. It was just a too big of a, of, a, of, of, a, of a concern, of a worry. So we, it's much harder to face those because they're, they're, they're not so obvious. They're more... They're much more subtle. Mm -hmm. So it's a great contemplation to, to sort of scan your own life. It's like, where in my life might I be appeasing someone? I can find that I, I, I did that with, so I, with my eldest son. I always had a worry about X, Y, or Z happening, so I would appease certain things. Mm. I would, I would uh, allow things that maybe were questionable. Right, so so it's a great inventory to take. Is there anywhere in my life that I'm, I'm selling out the truth, my truthfulness, and appeasing appeasing someone or relationship or circumstance? So thank you, Darlene. That was an awesome question. That was a great question. So many layers. <laughs>